Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So, without any further ado, I'm Sam. And I'm Piper. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, Sam. Hi, Piper. Hey. And hello, listeners. <laughs> hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's World Forge. Yeah. It, yes, it is. That's. Uh... <laughs> In case you uh, clicked on the wrong button, you now know that you are here with World Forge, yeah. Piper and Sam. Uh, we are very happy to be back here in the studio for you, talking about another really exciting topic for you yeah. this week. Mm -hmm. uh, Piper, what do we got going on here? We're talking about one of my all-time favorite things to discuss, and yeah. that is dreams and dreaming yeah. and what do they mean exactly and yeah. we're i think we're going to sort of broaden the scope a little bit beyond just dreams and talk about how we can draw inspiration from our dreams mm -hmm. in creating our worlds and how we can incorporate dreams into our worlds so we'll also be touching on sort of prophecies and visions and omens and things like that and where those things kind of come from and what they can tell us about our worlds and our adventures and you know how how we can use this as sort of a springboard Absolutely. Uh, time, so. Yeah. No, dreams can have such significant impact in the art of storytelling. It's a way for some greater force to, you know, give a warning or a clue or convey something greater to yeah. our main characters. Uh, I think dreams are a way that you can explore part of your subconscious that we otherwise can't otherwise tap into or understand. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about dreams just in real life is that it it's so bizarre how surreal they can be. Yeah. And they often become so fantastic and they defy the laws of nature. And I don't know about you, Sam. I've always been a very vivid dreamer. I've had quite a few dreams in my life that I, as soon as I have them, I wake up and I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. And I either... My, my waking life is crazy enough, I guess, because I'm not so lucky <laughs> to be <laughs> such a vivid dreamer, generally speaking. I love it. I think one of the reasons why I've I've become pretty good at like remembering my dreams is because I've almost like accidentally created a habit of whenever I wake up from a vivid dream, I either kind of write it down, yeah. on, not necessarily like a dream journal, but I do tend to dream about people that I know a lot. And this happened to me, especially when I was studying abroad in Sweden mm -hmm. in 2014. I had lots of dreams about my friends while I was far away from them, which I think says that I was missing them. So my subconscious was kind of bringing them forward. Yeah. Uh, but I, I especially dreamt a lot about my really good friend, uh, Shannon. And every time I had a dream about Shannon in Sweden, I would instantly like grab my phone as soon as I woke up and I would text her the dream in detail. Yeah. And so this act of writing down your dreams or talking about your dreams as soon as they happen or as soon as you wake from them is a really good way to help it like kind of stick in your mind so the details don't kind of blur away. Yeah. At least that's always worked really well yeah, for me. Yeah, for sure. Well, I do think it's interesting. We So we reached out to some of our followers and listeners on Twitter here to get some of their insights as well, stories about some of their dreams. And I was talking with um, one of our followers how it is kind of weird what things your sleeping brain deems important enough to, you know, to allow you to remember to stick in your brain mm -hmm. when you wake up. Definitely. Um, it's it's very strange sometimes. And I, I agree. I think very telling. Um, you are learning something about yourself. I don't know if I necessarily buy into the 
the whole like uh you know dream analysis if you dream about a potato it means that you're gonna have good fortune or something like that you know i mean i i think that goes a little far with it but i definitely (laughs) think there is some sort of subconscious tie to some kind of a desire or you know an interest or an experience or a you know memory or something like that with your dreams yeah see i i wouldn't say that like dreaming i wouldn't put it into such specifics like if you say you dream about a potato this means that i think that's you know a little too strict for the bizarre yeah. um untraceable act of dreaming yeah at um, least in the real world i mean in, exactly in D&D, all bets are off you can right. have a weird soothsayer interpret your dream in a weird nonsensical way that happens to work because the dm yeah. waves their hands and says uh, says it does yeah exactly you can do that um but i do personally think that um i buy into the idea that if enough people over time like dream similar things and they feel similar things when they dream those things that you could kind of get some sort of insight yeah like for example um a common one is like if you have dreams about your teeth specifically if your teeth are falling out or something mm-hmm. is wrong with your mouth that oftentimes implies that you are feeling self-conscious about something or having like body image issues yeah. Like that's a pretty common one, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah, right. I mean, if you the uh, I think people kind of view a smile as one of the the key artifacts of beauty or vanity, right? And if right. suddenly you're losing the thing that makes your smile look good, then uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That you'd be nervous about yourself. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Also, an incredibly common dream which I have rarely ever had is the flying dream. I feel like tons of people when you ask them, they tell you about how they have dreams in which they are flying. Yeah, and the thing that so my mom also really loves dreams and kind of interpreting them Mm -hmm. and the one thing that she told me when i was younger that's always kind of stuck with me which makes total sense is that when in trying to interpret your dreams you should really focus on the emotions that you were feeling in that moment so you couldn't necessarily say that like oh like a person was pointing a gun at me in a dream and that means i was scared it's like no how did you actually feel in that moment because for example my mom often has reoccurring dreams about tornadoes but those dreams are very powerful powerful dreams for her because she always feels safe in the face of these big storms and so i think that's really interesting that's what that dream means to her that is interesting i mean yeah it's sort of highlighting the subjective nature of these interpretations right right Um, you know if you're if we want to put this into D &D terms a little bit more if your cleric has a dream about you know thunder striking the ground or something they may think oh well that's god's wrath god is trying to you know speak to me whereas if a druid has a dream about you know lightning bolts or something they might think well no that's just that's a natural event that happens you know i would interpret this as we're going to stumble upon some you know some of some thing that just exists out in the world it's not that we're being given a message by god or something you know I, i think it's important to consider those other sort of implications of the dreams and the context of the dreams and the dreamers themselves. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really great. Um, so yeah, that I, I think is a good sort of foundation here. I mean, uh, to, to kind of, um, give a little bit more of a, of a explanation of how we're going to be talking about, <clears throat> about dreams this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about, some kind of interesting concepts in dreams like this, the mm-hmm. difference between different types of dreams, um, how dreams can be used as maybe like flashbacks or as ways to explain strange phenomena in games or as ways to communicate, mm-hmm. um, you know, between gods or between players or anything like that. So we're going to be trying to use um, some dreams that we've had and some dreams that were suggested by our uh, Twitter followers that were shared with us to build some kind of stories around these dreams and talk about, you know, how these dreams may be 
informing an adventure or how they may be a way that, you know, your God is trying to communicate with you or mm -hmm. maybe an antagonist is showing up in your dreams through some magical circumstance or something like that. Exactly. Uh, there's a lot of cool ways that these things can sort of be used. I will also personally be kind of tapping into this idea that I find that through our subconscious, we are able to create more wonderful and bizarre things than we could achieve if we were uh, just awake and trying to imagine a ridiculous plot, mm -hmm. right? Something that I dream about is always going to be 10 times stranger and more out there <laughs> than something I could come up with if I'm just sitting here trying to write something down. Yeah, we're, so, we're accessing sort of unusual parts of our brain, I suppose, right? E exactly. Yeah. And so personally for me, someone who's always kind of trying to, you know, push the boundary or to think outside of the box, I think the bizarreness of dreams is something that is great creative fodder. Like if you have a dream about something and it's inspiring to you when you wake up, try to write a story around it. Yeah. And that's another thing that we're going to be trying to do here is taking the dreams that you share with us and elaborating on these possible stories and interpretations. For sure. So before we get into that, let's maybe talk about some examples of dreams being used to help tell a story or to explore an idea out in you know the world of pop culture here. I have a few examples of things that I want to talk about. Um, cool. Do you have anything outside of your own dreams that you want to share? Or should I just start <laughs> going off on these? Um, outside of my own dreams? I mean, I gave you all the dreams options that you're you, going to be quoting. Okay, you didn't give me all of these options. Well, I gave you two of the big ones. <laughs> um, I guess, okay, so this is, I'm, I'm excited to talk about my own dreams. But as far as like dreams referenced in culture and such, one of the concepts that I think is really fascinating, because as most of you know, I'm a huge sci-fi buff. Yeah. And I like the idea that dreams uh, experienced by artificial intelligence is yeah. very interesting. I mean, it's the common do robot do androids, androids dream, dream of electric, electric sheep. sheep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the th one of the lines that comes to mind for me from one of my favorite sci-fis, I love the movie iRobot. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's a really fun sci-fi adventure. I think all the characters and the performances are really great. And there's this scene in which Will Smith's character is interviewing Sonny, who is this android who is wanted or suspected for murder. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sonny is telling him about how he has like had this dream of some kind and Will Smith's character stops him and he says no humans have dreams even dogs have dreams but not you and Sonny's like no my my creator programmed me he gave me dreams and that is actually in the greater scheme of the plot there is a clue buried in the dream that the doctor gave to this creation yeah. that the detectives need to solve this case and I think there's definitely interesting implications to that as well right that is it a dream in the same way as you know as a a sentient creature or a creature that was born sentient, right? Mm -hmm. Is there is a dream that someone like that has the same as a dream that was planted in an alien's head or in, in a in a AI's head? Well exactly. Um yeah. you know, if it's just a is that any different than just watching a video basically mm -hmm. that was, you know, played in front of you or is it something that actually is born of your mind? I, I think there's a lot to explore there that could be kind of fun. If you're playing a a sci-fi setting if you're playing starfinder or if you're playing um you know in any other like sci-fi set game um i think that's something that would be really interesting to explore if uh an ai companion of yours or an ar party ai party member of yours suddenly has a quote-unquote dream you have to explain what the source of that is you know it, it did they achieve some type of breakthrough in mm -hmm. you know the ai experience or is someone putting that in their head to try and kind of catfish them or or gaslight them or something well exactly i mean kind of yeah. going to your question i would say like if a dream is given to an android i say no that is not an original concept they did not do that by themselves so yeah. i would not say that counts i think an, an 
a creature's ability to dream implies that they have the subconscious and therefore potentially like a soul or this greater act to like wonder and create on their own. And so I think dreaming is a doorway to humanity or to, you know, intelligence, things like that. For sure. Creativity. So I think if you really want to distinguish a character from in that whole kind of debate of are you alive? Well, if you have dreams, I would say yes. Interesting. That's, uh, I think, a really, really cool sort of checkbox for for that definition. Um, I I could actually see something arising out of that. Um, You know, imagine you have like dream police or something. Say say you live in a world where, um, you know, wizards have the ability to create you know, golems or homunculi, or they they can create sort of a pseudo living being, right? But maybe they're not fully sentient in the same way. Mm -hmm. One of the tests, like, you know, like how we have the tests in Blade Runner, where they ask you all the questions to judge your morality or whatever. Right. Um, Maybe there's like a police force that can see into your mind and see when you're dreaming, or they can access your mind when you're asleep or something like that. And that's how they determine who is a... AI or who is a construct or who is a sentient being or, you know, or whatever. That could be I really like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you keep bringing this back to a fantasy thing. And it makes me think about something that we sort of touched on a couple episodes ago where you were sharing about how in a recent D&D session that we did, yeah. uh, the we were trying to pass through some magical barrier and it put us to sleep. And they were members yeah. of our party. I wanted have, to talk about this too. So I'm glad you're bringing this up. Yeah. Right. They're members of our party who have never slept before. And so this concept of dreaming is, I think, such a beautiful thing for humans humans and other like creatures who are able to sleep but if you think about if you're playing it with the idea that like elves never sleep yeah. they also never dream and how tragic is that that's right? something they're completely lacking i think that there's a lot there to be explored too with talking about how you know bards maybe that don't have the ability to dream don't have the you know they, they can't have that same sort of weird where did this inspiration come from mm-hmm. you know from a dream experience that you know a human character or an orc character or a gnome you know whatever a non-elf character can have that whereas an elf has to do it all kind of actively on their own right um that's really interesting i mean do elves have any sort of like i mean traditionally in this sort of setting do they have any kind of like meditative astral projection that kind of can mimic that so i think in in D &D, that's changed a little bit across versions i'm pretty sure what right and you know feel free to at me about this on on twitter (laughs) if i'm completely wrong here but i'm pretty sure that elves basically just go into like a a semi-meditative trance-like state so they're still conscious they're still you know aware of the things going on around them but their you know brain is kind of slowed down a little bit maybe Um, they're not experiencing things fully and i think that's less about needing to rest Mm -hmm. and recharge and more just about like looking for clarity. Or yeah, yeah, like or, that. yeah, exactly. It's like meditation in the same way that a monk would meditate, or maybe just that it's, you know, you only have so much stuff to do in a given day. If you've been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years, sometimes you want to just take a break from consciously processing everything all the time. It's just boring to be awake all the time. Definitely. So you'd want to say, all right, I'm just going to clock out for a minute here and just not be processing any stimuli for, <laughs> for, for a hot second here for a short rest. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of your examples, Sam? Well, okay. So the first one that I wanted to talk about here, actually, not one that you gave me, Piper, Miss Trying to Take Credit for All of My Ideas. Well. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the movie Contact and how um, at the end of the movie Contact, when Jodie Foster, you know, they they build this big machine to travel through the stars that is, you know, supposedly it's like alien blueprints that were, you know, discovered in a a signal. 
and this will allow them to unlock the secrets of faster than light travel. And Jodie Foster goes into this machine and nobody really knows if it's going to work or how it's going to work or what she's going to experience on the the other side, quote unquote. And there's this really amazing sequence where, you know, she travels through space and she sees the cosmos like zooming and whirring around her. And there's this, this whole kind of epic journey that she goes on where reality is warping and twisting and bending. And when things sort of slow down, she's on a beach with her father. And she's just having a conversation with her father and that, you know, essentially, you know, it's supposed to be that it's kind of an alien life form that's speaking with her and it's taken this form to, you know, be more acceptable to mm -hmm. her. So her brain doesn't explode, mm -hmm. basically. And, um, you know, I after she wakes up and has this experience, um, all the people who are monitoring her were like, you were only out for like a split second. You know, it mm -hmm. wasn't how could, none of that could have all happened. So it's sort of. Is it a dream or was it reality or did she experience time in a different way? And I think that that's a really interesting sort of dream adjacent experience that it's a vision Definitely. or, a, you know, a, she learned something about herself and about the world. But how do you translate that experience into the waking world? You oh, know, how do, sure. you, how do you get people to take that experience seriously? How do you use that to further your goals beyond there? You know, if if this was a role play setting. Um, what kind of adventure would you go on after having that experience? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, that's no, that's a good thing to kind of draw to attention here, too, because I feel like that is a very classic trope in uh, especially like coming of age fantasies in which the character, you know, yeah. enters some sort of magical world to learn a lesson. And when they return, they tell people what they saw and everyone says, oh, you were it was a dream that you had that couldn't be real. And so it kind of also taps into this idea that dreams are gateways to these other worlds. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the difference between a dream state being a physical place, mm -hmm. right? Or just sort of a state of mind that you're experiencing. I mean, was she actually stepping into another time or another reality or something and then coming back at the same time that she left? Or was it something that she just experienced in an in, in instant in her head because time was compressed in some interesting way? Right. Uh, I think there are so many potential explanations and possibilities for that that can work in a sci-fi or a fantasy setting. Absolutely. I think it also yeah. says a lot that it's it's very common reaction when a character first enters a world or a plane that they don't understand and they almost always say, I must be dreaming. Yeah. Because if we can't explain it, that's the closest thing that we have to compare it to. Yeah. It's like, this seems like something I would dream about, so maybe this is a dream. I and always, yeah, you know what, and it, well, on that point, I always forget if it's that or if it's 2001 A Space Odyssey where they have the line where they're like, it's so beautiful, they should have sent a poet. Oh, nice. Uh, I think <laughs> it's one of those two. I never remember, but I think that's such a cool line. Yeah. Maybe it's neither of those. Again, at me if I'm totally off base on that. <laughs> Um, but I also like the idea, I've seen it a, a couple of times in different so uh, stories or settings, in which a character, they can't believe the world they're in, and they say, oh, I must be dreaming. And I've seen a few uh, plots kind of stretch that out, in which the character is all loosey-goosey about what they're doing, because yes. they're like, well, none of this matters, because I'm just dreaming right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, And the people around them are like, mm, no, you're not. This is real. Totally. I can and push this guy off a cliff, and it doesn't matter. But if it's real for that guy... Then, right. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, so it kind of makes me think of, I've had this concept in my head for a long time and i've talked to you about it off air before yeah. and i would like to kind of develop it more and make it into maybe a short story someday yeah but i love this idea um that 
in dreams that someone could actually like physically transport to a different dimension. The place that you see in dreaming is actually real and you are experiencing yeah. that, but you're only there for as long as your body on our plane is asleep. And I like, it's not an original phrase, but I love the idea of like a dream walker, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah, for And sure. I like the idea too, that a person is aware that this is an ability that they have and therefore they maintain that sort of confidence and they are aware of the impermanence of their their time in this plane. Interesting. So they say to themselves, I know I'm going to wake up soon, so I could do something. And even if you like put me in prison, I will soon vanish and go back to my body where I'm going to be awake. It, it sort of reminds me of the uh, man in the high castle ability that, yeah. that Juliana Crane has or that the uh, the minister of uh, trade or whoever, whoever he is, um, mm -hmm. that they can sort of blip into the other side through exactly. some meditative ability that they have or something is yeah that, that's kind of neat if that just happens through dreams instead of through a you know conscious active thing right yeah no so there's neat. lots of cool things to explore here um, very cool do you want to give me one more fictional thing before i start sharing my dreams yes absolutely and i have a few more fictional things so we'll continue to kind of pepper these in and out uh, okay. of our stories <laughs> here but, um let's see the next one that i wanted to talk about was um well, okay, I, I think another interesting example of sort of a semi-dreaming state is the uh, cave scene in Star Wars, where Luke Skywalker's training with Yoda on Dagobah, and, you know, he's going through all his training, and he's like, you, you haven't yet faced your actual fears, you don't know how to face your enemy, you have to go, in, go into this cave, see what's in there, and Luke is like, what's in there? And Yoda says, what you bring with you, or, you know, whatever, um... And so he goes in and he sees Darth Vader and he gets into a lightsaber fight with him. And he slashes his face and when the mask falls off, it's his own face. And that that's also sort of a vision that's used to teach a lesson mm -hmm. that it's like he didn't really go in there and see Darth Vader. Like how much of that was real? Was it just that he was seeing something and he was actually moving around? Was it he kind of walked in and went catatonic and the force was just communicating to him and, and channeling him. Well, it's this classic um, kind of vision quest. Yeah, exactly. And that that is a dream used as an opportunity to teach something to a person, not necessarily to push them on a journey or to um, give them any kind of like a secret or a clue or anything. It's just sort of revealing something that's inside of him. It's revealing, look, this is the conflict that lives within you. Um, you don't feel prepared for this. You have to, you know, you have to defeat your own fears before you can defeat your enemy. Uh, and the parallel with that, of course, being that obviously, spoiler alert, Darth Vader is his father. So seeing his own face is like, oh, you have to <laughs> challenge your, yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of an interesting example as well. Well, um, here, I've got another one if you want yeah. to go back and forth. Yeah, give, give me another one. So um, I think I've talked about it on here before, but one of my favorite animated movies is the movie Rise of the Guardians, yeah. uh, which takes inspiration from one of William Joyce's, uh, one of many amazing uh, children and young adult uh, novels that he's written. Mm -hmm. But they have a character in that uh, who is Pitch the Nightmare King. And we were kind of talking earlier about like, we, there's an interesting dichotomy here between the art of dreams in stories and the art of nightmares yes. in stories. Yes. Um, and so Pitch is someone who is able to conjure nightmares in children and in anybody, really, but mostly children, since they're the easiest to kind of manipulate. And he feeds off of their fear. And that sort of stems from this whole kind of 
uh, lore behind this idea of like the boogeyman and yeah. exactly this kind of evil force that only exists in yourself in your subconscious. Yeah, and it's, he, it's kind of like vague and undefined. Like nobody really like what is the boogeyman? Who? Where? What? You know? Why? Why are they? I think exactly. that's kind of neat. That's very dreamlike. Oh, right? I yeah. I love it. Which is also I can't believe I, I just thought of this now. I can't believe I didn't think of it earlier. <laughs> but um, Freddy Krueger, who is the yeah, dream of course. demon, yeah, who yeah. can only get you in your dreams. <laughs> which that alone, that's okay. The original concept of that is awesome. And yeah. they've just campified it so much that now if you're like Freddy Krueger, people are like, Freddy Krueger, yeah, whatever. Weird burnt up old Mr. Rogers looking sweater man. Right. But if you like, <laughs> if you go down, I, I'd love to be there for sort of the initial brainstorm of that idea. It's like, what if there was somebody who could only get you in your dreams, but like he, the more you try to stay awake, the more he comes to like for manifest. Sure. Like, that's really cool. For sure. Yeah, I agree. I think that's neat. I, so I actually, this I think is a good Jumping off point to another example that I had talking about, you know, the difference between dreams and nightmares, but also talking about the dreaming space as kind of a sanctuary or a safe space. So rather than being a place where you are only vulnerable uh, in a situation like with Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Krueger, um, I think Bloodborne has a really cool example of a totally unique use of dreams in that the sort of hub world um, that you use as your, you know, sort of your shop and your, you know, your place of rest where you sort of recuperate and where you gather all of your, you know, you organize to go out and fight things, that kind of thing, is this place called the Hunter's Dream, which is basically just a garden with this kind of dilapidated old mansion on there. It's it's safe physically. It's not really... If I were there in real life, I wouldn't feel safe. It still is spooky and horrifying, and <laughs> and there's all, all the characters there are unsettling and weird. Um, but that's sort of the place where the waking world is this horrifying hellscape of New Yarnum, and there's monsters crawling around everywhere, and only in this dreaming space, which may or may not be a physical location that you are actually transported to, mm-hmm. um, are you are you safe? Yeah. Which I think is super neat. Uh, and, until, spoiler alert, the end of the game where you fight the final boss in, in the hunter's dream but. well you know what that makes me think of is this idea you were talking about how dangerous the real world is is mm-hmm. that um mm-hmm. this concept that while you dream your body is incredibly vulnerable yeah that if we are talking sure. about like your mind projecting elsewhere to do bigger and grander things somewhere your body is laying defenseless yeah and that's i think kind of an interesting dynamic to this great power you could possibly wield in your land of dreaming and yet here is your vulnerable weakness is the body in which your soul yeah. actually resides your tether because it, and I think it, it's it's sort of like the Fey realm a little bit that in dreams things work differently. There are different rules. There's different um, you know there's magic in the air, right? But when you go into the Fey realm, you're physically you know you're stepping through a portal or you're you know using a spell or something to transport yourself there. If you go into the dream realm, you leave something behind that mm-hmm. has to be protected still. Yeah. Um, and you still have that same you know you have more freedom to do things in the dream world because there are different rules. It's a heightened you know, magical area, something like that. Um, But you have this sort of baggage that's left behind that there's a a drawback to having all this freedom is that Mm -hmm. somebody can just walk up to you and roll your body off a cliff or something and you're you're done. Exactly. uh, Which is pretty neat. Um, So I'm ready to share one of my all-time favorite dreams that I've had. If you're ready. But I am as ready as I'm ever going to be, Piper. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> I woke up from this dream and I had goosebumps. I was like, yeah. no freaking way. It was like too cool. Like, I've never had a dream yeah. this vivid and with this much of a consecutive plot before. Yeah. Um, and I often have these dreams. I'm sure this is very relatable. But I have them. It's sort of where I wake up in the morning before I need to be awake. And then I fall back asleep for a brief amount of time. And within that 
brief moment, you know, you go into that deep REM sleep and I have these very vivid dreams that I remember very clearly when I wake up. But so in this dream, I dreamt that I was in this kind of um, bar or restaurant where there was, you know, a stage and musicians were playing and I was sitting at the bar and I looked down and I saw there was this guy sitting there. And you know how in dreams, like things don't necessarily look a certain way, but you know what they are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My my brother is in my dream, but for whatever reason, I can't see his face, but I know it's my brother. Exactly. Because yeah. yeah. again, it's all about the way you feel. So I looked at this person and I don't remember him looking like Elvis Presley. But when I looked at him, I knew I was like, well, that's Elvis Presley. <laughs> and so I went over to him because he looked really sad. And I asked him, I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, well, I know that I'm dead and I'm afraid that people are going to forget about me. And I started talking to him and I'm like, no way. Like, people can't forget about you. Like, you are still very much beloved. There are some people who think you're still alive. Like, no one <laughs> will ever forget Elvis Presley. He's You're up a legend. in space with Tupac, obviously. Exactly. Everyone knows that, yeah. <laughs> and he like smiled and he was like, well, thanks. That, that really cheered me up and I really appreciate yeah. that. And then for the rest of the dream, he's like, I'm going to stick with you and I'm going to like help you out because you helped me. And the way that dreams often kind of shift from one thing to another, this happened, but he was there with me the entire time. And I had this weird kind of sense that like, you know, there would be two roads and I would want to go down one. And he's like, no, 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 don't go down that road. Yeah. Let's go down this one. Yeah. And I could almost like see further down the road that there was some danger there that I otherwise couldn't see before. And the best part of the dream was at the end where we were driving around in this limousine and we were in the front and there were these like party guys in the back and they were drunk and rowdy. And at one point, you know, they look at him through the window, the dividing window, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, you're so-and-so. And they mentioned some other rock star who wasn't yeah. Elvis. And I looked at him and I was like, why do they think you're this person? I thought you were Elvis. And he's like, everyone sees me as something different. And I was like, are you, so you're not who I thought you were? And he was like, it doesn't matter who I am. You remembered me and you made me feel important and remembered. Yeah. And that meant a lot. And I woke up and I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> I felt like I was visited by a ghost in my dream. It was so, like one of the coolest like experiences. And I'm not a superstitious person. No, But it was just like such a neat concept. I think the thing that's really cool about that that stands out to me is that it, I I like the implication that it could have been anyone. Maybe it wasn't Elvis. Maybe it was, you know, it was the spirit of rock and roll or whatever, (laughs) you know, and and that takes a different form for different people and that you understand the sort of the the spirit uh, behind that that vision, right, right, is what made them stand out to you. And I I think that's really, really neat. I think that would be such an interesting thing to apply to a D&D world. You know, maybe this is a forgotten god or something Mm -hmm. that appears to you in a dream and you don't know who they are, but you have this sense of... Well, they're powerful and they, you know, they can do something to, you know, they have control over the space or there's something bigger here that I don't quite understand. And if in the dream you you know, show them the reverence or the respect that maybe is due of a, a powerful being like this, they would say, you know, thank you for for understanding that you don't understand mm-hmm. or, you know, or, or seeing more than, you know, just what you see with your eyes. I think there's a lot of really cool threads you could tug on there um, to set off a really interesting story. Because then when you wake up, you can say, okay, who was that? I have to figure out who it was. Right. Well, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the thing where it's like, I feel 
the dreams that I remember the most are the ones where there are very strong emotional connections yeah. made within these dreams. Yeah. Like I remember the way I feel. And so I love waking up from something like that. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is a story. This is like five stories. And you can, you know, take that and build upon it <laughs> kind of as you interpret, you can build out plots and characters and sure. conflicts and resolutions. For sure. So there's so much to work for. I have to say, Piper, I also am, I'm extremely impressed that at no point during that story did you break out in walking in memphis oh well <laughs> <any> you know <laughs> <laughs> i do love that song i but... feel like that was welling up inside of you the whole time it was oh. just it... <laughs> maybe that was the spirit that was guiding my dreams it was maybe it was <laughs> uh okay i like that a, a lot Thank um you. i i'm just looking through my list of things if there's anything that i think is still you know relevant or worth talking about um oh well okay so actually kind of talking about old gods and visions of the gods um i wanted to touch on a little bit more dreams in waking life Mm -hmm. um and how visions can be sort of visited upon us kind of like the star wars cave uh experience but um moses and the burning bush uh you were just watching this morning uh, uh, the prince of egypt the, the prince of egypt yeah and how happy easter everybody exactly happy and, you passover know, moses goes into a cave or he's walking through the desert or whatever and he turns and he sees a burning bush that speaks to him with the voice of god and explains this mission that he has to go on here and he's not in a dream but he may as well be for, you know for all intents and purposes he's you know in a fugue state he's seeing something that no one else would ever see in reality or in a waking state like this mm-hmm. um and i think the delivery of dreams in that context is also really interesting that any little thing can just be interpreted in a different way definitely um, well i think in especially traditional stories like gods are often giving people like visions yeah and things sure. to set them on some sort of path yeah it's a classic launching platform classic. a classic, <laughs> classic. yeah um yeah i, I like that I, I thought that was probably worth mentioning that's really the only other i had a few other things but whatever forget that i'm not gonna talk about those and everybody knows about inception we don't have to talk you. about inception it's great um, that's all you need to know yeah that's that's not really necessary to talk about uh and we're actually going to talk about in the rec room this week something that's kind of inception adjacent actually mm-hmm. sort of but didn't a, it come out before inception it did come out before Inception, uh, I, I believe. So uh, sort of a similar property that had a unique ideological genesis that is very similar to Inception in a lot of ways. And I think in a lot of ways, even cooler. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about that a bit later. But that's about all that I've got here for my examples. Let's um, don our soothsaying hat yes, and interpret some dreams, For baby. sure. All right. So I'm just going to pull up the old Twitter here and... Uh, read some really cool dream examples that were shared with us by our listeners. So the first one I want to share, I'm actually going to start with a pretty simple one. Um, I thought this one was just fun and cute and cool. It was shared with us by Elizabeth Laval. That's at Laval Elizabeth on Twitter. They said, I was getting on the train to work, but missed it. And instead of getting on the next train, a rhino showed up and I rode the rhino to work. That's so fun. Yeah. I love that. I, I think it's really cute because I like that it sort of speaks to it's just it's it's a normal experience that you're dreaming about, right? But just one thing is twisted in such a way that it completely alters the course of your or could potentially completely alter the course of your day, right? That's really fun. So, so what that immediately yeah. makes me think about is that this person, I'm I'm going to now like kind of fictionalize yes. you, the dreamer, as like kind of a main character. <laughs> we're the dream doctors here. We're gonna be we're gonna be interpreting your dreams <laughs> and uh, possibly interpreting you (laughs) (laughs) so what this makes me instantly imagine is that this person exists in a world in which 
animals are like ex- what we would see as exotic animals are just kind of out and about and yeah. interacting with normal people like pokemon or something right yeah. and so like if you miss your train <laughs> it, it makes total sense that you could just you know hop onto a rhino and they would give you a ride to work for sure uh so there i i wonder then if that if we want to take it to a level of like these are semi-intelligent or fully intelligent uh beasts that we also like see as equals or are they more kind of the these animals are here and they interact with us in the city not just out in the wild um but they aren't necessarily like communicative i actually kind of like so kind of building on that approach a little bit what if we're saying this is a world where animals just they they have jobs that they do Mm -hmm. um i won't do the flintstones thing that i always do (laughs) uh when i talk about animals with jobs (laughs) Um, but, you Want know, me to do it for you? Y- yes, please. Okay. It's a living. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I was recently, I was, I was looking at, um, somebody had put together like a bingo board or something of like things that commonly occur on, uh, you know, I don't know, it was on like Critical Role or on, on something that they watch. And I was like, what would be the, what would populate the bingo board of things that happen on, on World, World Forge? Forge? And I, I was like, okay. Me saying this week's going to be a little different. Piper making it really dark. Uh, <laughs> you referencing see. Flintstones. Yeah, me, me referencing Flintstones. Me talking about Tolkien. Uh, <laughs> you ending every idea by saying, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> Anytime I say, that's pretty neat. <laughs> so, yeah, those are... Uh, look out for the uh, Hasbro-sponsored uh, World Forge official bingo boards here coming out soon. We're, we're going to open up our Kickstarter for that real soon. I love it. Uh, anyway, I like the idea of this being a world where all of these animals kind of have jobs, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a rhino is a train or a rhino is like an armored car or something like that, that you can use these animals as sort of transport. It makes me think a little bit of Hollow Knight, how um, when you're when you're going around and exploring Hollow Nest, um, all of the bugs that you run into are so completely drastically different. And you re- really get the impression that they all have sort of different ways of getting around and ways of interacting with the world. And there is sort of an underground subway system that's run by these like giant Goliath beetles. Yeah, that I love gallop the beetles. Around. They're yeah. super, super cool. They're neat. Um, that's sort of what I'm taking from this is mm-hmm. that, you know, imagine we just lived in a world where the the rhinos were the normal way to get to work and what would be weird would be if you missed your rhino and then you had to take a train am i right right well it's making me think of um sort of like the world that i envision within sort of how like the golden compass works that these are humans and animals who live side by side yeah um but then also i can see oh i had another example it's fleeting um oh in like dinotopia yes where yeah all the dinosaurs you know they're bigger and they pull people around um and actually there's a scene in that mini series in which when they first like are catching a bus and it's a brachiosaurus that people climb onto its back and it will take you from town to town um one of the brothers who just doesn't understand this concept of like these humans and dinosaurs living side by side not that hard to understand but okay well he says he's like (laughs) aren't these dinosaurs like your slaves i mean they're they're pulling us around like we get to ride for free Okay, I take it back. That's a fair criticism. And the lady, she says to him, she's like, no, it just makes sense because we can't possibly carry the Brachiosaurus. The Brachiosaurus is capable of carrying us and he doesn't mind doing so. And we feed him and we give him payment that way. He's just helping out as any citizen would. Interesting. So it's like this kind of like, oh, like everyone has a body that's that's able to do different tasks. The dinosaurs can like pull things. We're not as strong as them. So they're not our slaves. They're just able to do these abilities. So that is interesting because I I still feel that that kind of borders on a slightly 
problematic viewpoint that oh, it's definitely. like, well, you know, we're we're giving them jobs, like we're helping them, oh, you know, totally. we're helping them to actualize themselves. And I, I actually think an interesting intersection to this world would be our world of uh, Neville and um, uh, Detective Cat or whatever from our Buddy Cop episode. Yes, um, <laughs> I think that's sort of a similar dynamic. Is that there are there. Are people people quote unquote and animal people quote unquote and Mm -hmm. how they're sort of viewed as having different strengths and different experiences and it's like well yeah obviously cat people are thieves because they're sneaky and they sneak around (laughs) and they sneak and like that's what they're good at yeah there's the uh, the prejudice inherent in the system (laughs) (laughs) for sure i i think that would be an interesting sort of uh, a template to overlay about that and and obviously you know we talked about in that, that episode how that can be sort of an allegory for you know, real life issues, you know, racism and things like that mm-hmm. and how that's sort of an interesting thing to explore through games like this. Which sometimes. makes me think of um, early rec room uh, for you all. Mm. Uh, if you're not too squeamish and you can broaden your mind, yeah. uh, definitely check out the show Beastars <laughs> on Netflix. Oh, of course. <laughs> Beastars. Okay. It's essentially, it's, it's wild, it's wild <laughs> but it's so good. Okay. So it's Zootopia, but like with more sex and violence. But, but very horny. Yeah. Um, so the idea, I mean, it, it taps into the classic uh, animal fan narrative which is we're using animals as an algorithm no an allegory for human conflicts and human issues and it's a way to kind of explore these inherent prejudices and how we're different but it looks at you know predators and prey and here are big animals who are really strong and here are fast animals and how do they cope with their natural kind of uh, instincts and abilities but then also how are they trying to evolve and work together and understand one another for sure I I do want to be very clear it's very sexy yeah, yeah, violent. put a disclaimer on this. It is not for kids no, at all. No. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for something that's like, if you ever are kind of like, man, I don't really know about like furry stuff. I don't have a lot of experience with that. And you're <laughs> interested in, you know, in sort of seeing maybe a little bit of a glimpse into that world. I think it's a pretty good uh, doorway in, into all of that. It is wild. Yeah. Um, it's, it's sort of like you can't tear your eyes away from it a little bit, whether mm-hmm. you love it or hate it. I think it's sort of a fascinating <laughs> spectacle. Uh, um, I thought it was fun. It was really good. I thought it was really fun. I yeah. liked it a lot. There's a lot of good comedy, a lot of moments that made me uncomfy, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. very, very good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's a good early rec room here Thank you. for that. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a good start that we have for this world. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about any other alternate possibilities or do we want to move on to another dream here? I um, think we've plumbed the, yeah, the depths here a little bit. Yeah, let's go on to the next dream. Cool. Okay, so the next one that we're going to talk about is um, from Tales of Asperon on Twitter. That's at Tales of Asperon. They're another um, uh, podcast, or an actual play podcast uh, that's pretty fun. We recommend you go and check them out. Another boom, second little record for you. <laughs> Drop that one on you. Uh, they said, um, I had a dream the other night that uh, I, I think happened because I was playing way too much Grand Theft Auto V. It was about some friends and I trying to covertly sell something to a guy in a club. You'd think it was like drugs or guns or whatever, but weirdly enough, it was just a red scarf. Uh, so I think this is an interesting thing because this is something that maybe could be used as a way of, uh, maybe someone is trying to tell the party something through this dream. Maybe imagine, say you are a party of merchants and your dream is that you go into a club and sell something and you say, okay, maybe there's going to be a, is there going to be a shortage of this resource? Maybe we should stockpile all of this that we can and, you know, go and try and sell it. Or maybe there's a specific town that needs this. Maybe it's, uh, you know, Balto and his diphtheria serum or something <laughs> like that. Uh, or, or Togo, actually, as we recently learned there you via, go. via the, the Netflix vehicle Togo. No, that was uh, uh, Disney Plus. Was it Disney Plus? Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, it was pretty dang good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that would be an interesting thing that could be 
the it could inspire your party to go and do something that they wouldn't otherwise go and do Mm -hmm. you know maybe that means you think you have to go and meet with shady people in a back alley or maybe it means you have to uh you know like i said acquire some type of resource but it's an opportunity that is being shown to them by who knows well, I, it kind of makes me think of, it's an interesting concept that um, if dreams could be used as messages, uh, and even yes. like very covert messages, like if you're like, you know, you need to send somebody some information, and you don't want any way for their for this info to be intercepted, well, you send it to them in a dream. No oh, one can like take that. that. And so if for whatever reason, anyone else got a hold of this dream, and they saw it, they would be like a scarf, like that doesn't make any sense to me, just a weird dream. But the person dreaming it knows they're like, the scarf means something, this is the clue. And this is the information hidden within the dream that I needed to latch on to and understand. I like that. And I think that kind of introduces again the idea that we sort of talked about uh, 20 minutes ago or so about the the dream police. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. mostly people can't intercept dreams, but there is sort of a special forces team, a, a dream a dream team. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> Seal team six of dream of dreamers that can come in and steal your dreams or whatever. Well, it's sort of yeah. like how um, in Inception, yeah. uh, these powerful businessmen, they <laughs> they somehow know because they have enough money to buy this information to yeah. know that there are people who can hack your dreams. And so they hire people like Cobb and his team yeah. to train them how to protect their subconscious, which is, oh my God, such a cool concept. I agree. Like, I, You know what? I think yeah. <laughs> the thing that is... Everybody's seen that movie, right? It's it's no there's no point in being like, oh, it's a great movie or whatever. What I think is so fascinating about it more than anything, more than just the quality of the film, is that they took a concept that com- that just wild and complicated and out there that really I you know I'd not really seen explored before, um, except for in the one other example which we're going to talk about here. <laughs> um, I think it's impressive that that movie works as well as it does. Yeah, that it makes any kind of sense at all whatsoever mm-hmm. um, is incredibly impressive to me. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's uh, it's good stuff. Definitely. I think so yeah, that, that could be cool. Um, if you as a DM want to take on the, the bold undertaking of trying to you know conduct a dream heist on that level. Uh, God help you. Yeah. Uh, please. Just remember, you have to hire an Ellen Page to create the map for you. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And uh, if you do want to do something like that, tell us about it, actually. We'd love to hear about that. Yeah. I, that, that just seems like something that I, I don't want to touch that. That seems <laughs> way too ambitious uh, for, actually, for my blood. Now thinking about it, that could be a great way for you as a DM to just do whatever the fuck you want. That's because, true. <laughs> like, if you're drawing a map, right, and your players are playing off of this grid, and they're like, right, we open the store, and you're like, cool, uh, you're back at the beginning. They're like, what? And it's like, dreamscape, man. Yes, absolutely. Rules don't exist here. I can do whatever I want. And anything can happen and you can just say, surprise, it was a dream. You're not actually dead. It's mm-hmm. it's like an easy little rewind button that yeah. you can press. I think that me- make, mechanically that's a cool way to... That would make a great like side quest one shot is like to yeah. play, suddenly introduce your party to the most extreme and deadly game they've ever played, kill off most of them, yeah. and at the end be like, all right, you all wake up around the campfire. Totally. Stakes meant nothing. I, I think, and everyone's like, holy shit. <laughs> I think that would be a great way to set the tone for a really serious kind of like horror game or a really goofy game where there aren't high stakes like that normally you right know, to, to give it sort of a juxtaposition like that i mean that's kind of what we did a little bit with the start of our um our our most recent campaign or our second most recent campaign um where you're playing as willa Debara, the vampire um the first session that i ran was basically just a you were walking around in this dreamscape and at the end of it you all woke up and you were like that was odd <laughs> what was that all about i don't really get it right um i think is that's a nice goes? It's a nice way, you're right, to just sort of have 
you can make it appear as though there are stakes and you can make the game seem really serious and intense, but there's also no risk of having a, a total party wipe in your first session or something. I think that can be a, a really valuable tool Absolutely. to use. Um, obviously not the kind of thing you would want to overuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be hard to use that more than once in one game or yes. at least in quick succession. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I... I think that would be a fascinating thing to to try and incorporate more often in games. Although if you started a campaign that way, I think it'd be a great way to make your characters or your players very paranoid because after that <laughs> yeah. point, they'd be like, is this a dream? For Are we sure. dreaming now? Like what's yeah. real? What's not? And you'll be like, well, I don't know. Spin your little top. Find out. <laughs> You're probably giving yourself a lot of headaches as a DM with your players constantly trying to make will saves at all times. Oh yeah. my gosh. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I like it. Okay. So I think that's another, that's another good exploration of a dream there. Boom. You've been dream doctored. Uh, We've got another one here from, let's see, who's who's next in the list? We've got The Fate of Aizen, uh, another great actual play podcast uh, from New Zealand, from from way down under. Uh, That is at Fate of Aizen on Twitter. Uh, They shared a dream. They said, I walked into a random house and found the prime minister. Uh, having tea with my high school English teacher who overtly hated me for no reason. They questioned why I was there, so I yelled and ran away in the rain. Uh, (laughs) I I like that it's a real-life connection that's being explored. I mean, we talked about having real people in your dreams and what that can sort of mean, that Mm -hmm. there are emotional attachments to things like this. And So to clarify here, um, I, I commented back and I said, oh, I hope you had a better relationship with your English teacher in real life. And they're like, no, no, no. I meant in real life. They hated me for no reason. (laughs) So uh, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, You know, what it means when someone very familiar to you is meeting with a very powerful figure in a dream. What types of uh, conclusions could you draw from that? What types of stories would you see Mm -hmm. based on something like this? What are you thinking, Piper? I'm thinking about how, so I often dream about my friends and people that I know in real life, but in the dream, we're often doing, you know, ridiculous or fantastic things. Yes. And I was just thinking about how it's kind of a way for, I think, for our minds to sort of, you know, put ourselves into very important positions and mm-hmm. roles of power mm-hmm. and to say, you know, we're just normal, like, people who just live normal lives. But here I am now dreaming about, you know, somebody that I know meeting with a very important individual or, like, the world is ending and we're the only ones who can do something about it. It's kind For of a sure. cool, like, lens to view yourself through. And maybe you yeah. can read into that, like, you know, what does it say about me and what does it say about how I view the people in my life? Yeah. So let maybe imagine this. Let's twist this dream a little bit here into something different. Let's say instead of walking into a room and you see a person familiar with you and a person in power having tea together, or having a conversation. What if you walk into someone's bedroom and they're looking in the mirror and the person looking in the mirror is familiar to you, but the reflection is a person in, in power? Well, um, that says maybe there's potential for transformation or for a journey for them or that they have this potential inside of them that you should maybe watch out for. You are introducing um, a very interesting concepts in the actual realm of dream interpretation. Mm-hmm. I've often mm-hmm. heard that to train yourself to lucid dream, which is where you can like make decisions, essentially be yeah. conscious while unconscious, is I've always heard that you have to try and find a mirror. And if you can look into the mirror and look into your reflection and notice and realize I am dreaming right now, you can then take control of the dream. Interesting. To that, I've always said... 
how do you consciously find a mirror if you don't have control? <laughs> but I guess some people can do that. Bit of a catch-22 there, I suppose, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that I that just makes me think of that. It's like, I feel like mirrors in dreams are always going to be tricky in some way. Yeah. Because I feel like dreams don't follow the rules of reality. And therefore, yes, if you looked in a mirror, it might as well be a window. Yeah, or it could, sure. yes, exactly, reveal something about yourself or, you know, that you wouldn't otherwise know. Yeah. So let's maybe talk about what is an adventure that would spring from this then? Uh, you know, what What are the implications of that? Is it something where you would say, we should be on the lookout for this specific person, or we should be on the lookout for an opportunity to grow, or we should, you know, take any adventure we see, because clearly something is going to launch us from this humble position of, of peasantry into a position of grand power and, and renown. Yeah. Um, what do you think is most interesting? I, I think I've sort of buffaloed my way into starting a lot of these so you should give us the the foundation the groundwork for these well one of the things that stands out to me the most about this dream is the way that they ran away into the rain i think that's a beautiful like very dramatic way to start a story and i feel like i i really wish i could talk to this person and ask them like do you remember sort of the way you felt when you were in the rain like could you feel it in the moment was Mm. it cold did you feel wet was you excited or did you just simply know as we know in dreams that this is the rain and i am in it not necessarily so much did you experience that yeah okay and so in the same way as you see a person and they don't look like who they are but you know who they are exactly Yeah. yeah so i would say if we're going to you know branch this off into a story i think perhaps that would be an interesting thing that what if this became like a repetitive dream that every time they dreamt it they would see this teacher who does not like them but it would be a different person of power who they are sitting with or a different important figure and so this dream is for the character a sort of clue to say this is somebody who you should watch out for yeah they're meeting with all these powerful people or they're they're trying to get involved with you know, dark movers behind the scenes or something like that. Right. I can see this. If we're using this to start a story, I think the person, the main character who has these dreams, they would wonder to to themselves that the, the important figure always changes, but the, uh, the, disapproving teacher remains the same yeah okay and so i think as they go on their journey or their quest they would i think they would talk to a lot of different people about this dream and they would say how do you interpret this and people would tell them different things because everyone you know reads into something a little differently and perhaps they decide they need to go find that teacher and see if they can ask them about this and maybe they find the teacher and the teacher says, finally, how many, how long do I have to send you this message before you come to me? <laughs> I love that, that it's it's the person in the dream that's consciously trying to reach out to them in, in the dream space. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And then, mm. so the person, so they, they find this teacher and um, they're like, I thought you always hated me. And it's like, yeah, well, I was tough on you because I knew that you had a job to do and yeah. a role that only you could do. And I'm trying to motivate you to be the best that you can be. Oh, now, do you remember goodness. the list that I gave you? And the person's like, what do you mean the list? And he's like, the people that were with me in every single dream. Do you remember their names? Do you remember their faces? Yeah. And the person's like, oh, I, I think I know who they were. And you're like, okay, good. Start writing it down because you have to go and find them. So this is cool that it, I like the idea of someone is secretly mentoring you through your dreams. Yeah. They have, you know, maybe every dream you've had for years they had some hand in the formation of they were trying to of course it would be an english teacher right they're writing a writing creative writing exercise for the english teacher Mm -hmm. uh i i think that's really interesting that they've been sort of shaping your future by shaping your dreams and trying to lead you down this path but you know by incepting you a little bit yeah um trying to trying to show you something you should be doing and then when you finally realized it 
they were like, okay, I guess this means you're ready. You've got to go on this quest now that I've been preparing you for for years that you didn't even know about. Exactly. Yeah. Although I don't know if they would necessarily, in my version, I don't think they'd be like, you're ready. They'd be like, finally, like your training <laughs> yeah, begins yeah. <laughs> today. Like you finally interpreted my messages and now you're going to learn sure. from them. Now imagine flipping this the other way too. This could just as easily be something that's being done by a bad guy that they're trying to gaslight you into into not learning something important about yourself mm-hmm. or into thinking that you are maybe weaker than you are, that you aren't the person that's going to go and save the world. You know, imagine a, a bad guy who goes to a soothsayer and they say, you'll be stopped by the third born child of a farming family in the <laughs> southernmost town of the kingdom. Or, you know, they'll, they'll right. have some Big mystical prophecy. prophecy or portent that says you have to stop this person. So they find you in reality and they say, well, I can't just kill this random kid. That would draw the heat. You know, I can't have people tying this back to me. I need to continue to move in the shadows. But I have this dream magic that I can use. Maybe I can just gaslight them and teach them that they're useless by <laughs> ruining that, you know, at starting young and making them destroy their own self-worth and never want to go on an adventure and be big and powerful. Ouch. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, that seems like an interesting thing a bad guy could do. And Definitely. I think that the culmination of that would be Either someone else would see it's happening, the dream police would catch it again, or um, I love you this know, reoccurring theme of the dream. Yeah, police. the dream police. I like it. Um, <laughs> the vegan police. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe a wizard, you know, a random traveling wizard comes through town, and they're or a hypnotist or something comes through town, and they're like, "Hold on, there's some weird dream magic going on here. Anybody know anything about that?" And the you know the townsfolk are like, "That's no, we don't, we don't have any dream dream wizards here. That's weird." And he sees this child that you know, seems by all accounts, just a normal child. And they peer into their mind and they say, someone's been, someone's been up in here, you know, crossing wires. Someone's been up in here. Someone's been way up in here. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is sort of the wake up call, pardon the pun for this child to be like, I was sort of living my life based on all of these dreams and interpreting these things in totally the wrong way. Maybe I am more than I'm you know, that I've been led to believe. Maybe that is the the catalyzing event that causes them to go out on an adventure, is that all their dreams are proven to be false. Yeah, I mean, you can, that's the beauty of dreams. You can interpret them in many different ways. Yeah, exactly. And what's right and what's not, like what's real and, and who's pulling the strings. For sure. Um, I would definitely say if this was my story, um, because it always ends with them running out into the rain, I think, you know, through their training and their growth as they go on this adventure, um, up until the very end, you you know, they spent their entire time preparing for this, but their their demise would come in the rain. Something would happen where Ooh, okay. they think they've ended it. They think the journey is complete, but then, like, you know, they're walking through the rain. They can't see well, and there's a shadow up ahead, and suddenly there's an arrow in their chest, and they fall to the ground, and they're like, this was a warning from the start, and I just didn't know. This idea that, like, from the beginning, someone was telling you, this is how your dream ends, and this is how you end, and this is how your story ends. Cool. Beware of that, but they didn't know how to read into it. Yeah. And I, I, again, also could be something that maybe maybe if I were the villain, I would make their end be somehow tied into my only weakness. So they're afraid of that thing, too. So they never try to view that as, you know, if if I'm Superman, but I'm also evil and also have the ability to manipulate people's dreams. <laughs> so maybe, something else. So something else. <laughs> maybe I would want to make them feel like, you know, they should stay away from kryptonite. So they never try to control the kryptonite to use it against me. Right. I think that's really interesting. AKA, uh, dreams cool. are good tools for manipulating people. For sure. Absolutely. Never forget that. Absolutely. Let's do one more dream. Yeah, let's do one more dream here. Okay, so the next one that I've got here is from uh, Noel Vampire on Twitter. They're at... Ho- <laughs> I, like, I like this name a lot. I didn't notice this before. 
before at holy cannoli uh like c-a-g-n-o-l-l-i like a pun on <laughs> no, that's hilarious it's great I, i've seen them on twitter before i never noticed their um uh their their actual handle there hilarious uh so they said um they <laughs> had a dream <laughs> they had a dream that they were sticking around uh like a mansion like pub they were teleporting around doing they said i was doing all this dishonored stuff um then the general showed up wearing an anime villain uh outfit driving a motorcycle he spotted me and started ramming his motorcycle into the walls trying to knock me down from my perch i escaped into a mall connected to the pub and then they go on this whole like journey from this right so the big takeaway that i kind of uh liked from this is the idea of someone appearing in your dreams to actually physically contact you yeah um and we've sort of touched on that a little bit here right but uh the idea of someone being able to actually project themselves into the space are dreams a physical space can you be harmed in a dream Mm -hmm. if somebody reaches out and tries to you know, tries to interfere with you in some way or touch you in some way. See, the thing that was standing out to me is that this person talked about something which is it's something that I love about dreams is the way that the location suddenly shifts from one thing to another because yeah. we don't remember transitioning from these different places where just suddenly, you know, you could start at the beach, but now you're at, you know, the shopping mall or next thing you know, you're in grandma's sure. living room um, and the way it just kind of changes, but you don't question how you got there. It's just like, of course, this is where I always was. Yeah. Um, And so that's something that I think would be really interesting to sort of tap into. And it makes me think of sort of the concept we were talking about before, which is this idea that like perhaps when you dream, you're actually shifting between different dimensions. Yes. And so this dreamer has unwillingly or unknowingly entered into this plane in which these different kind of dimensions are snacked on top of one another. And through that, you can kind of fall through one and enter instantly into the next. Or or kind of like like the City of Doors or something where it's it's sort of the nexus of all the different realms where you can – any door you open brings you into a different plane or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. Another thing that stands out to me is this idea that he's being pursued by this man on the motorcycle, which I think is just a cool image. Yeah, not to be confused with the mouse on the motorcycle. No. No, the man on the motorcycle, motorcycle, much more terrifying, bigger. Yeah, uh, especially there's a real sense of danger if someone is like driving, like ramming this motorcycle into these walls to kind of crash after you and knock you over. It seems as if they have no disregard for their own personal safety. And no matter how violently they crash their machine, they're still safe and they're still going forward. That kind of the that momentum, that disregard for their own safety is really scary. I agree. And there's a real energy there. And I like that a lot. And I think it's the kind of thing that like in a dream that's especially scary, sort of the lack of control right yeah. is that there, there's i can never really run away or i can never really safeguard myself there's always something that's fighting against me this person with just reckless abandon is pursuing me and I, there's nothing i can do well what do you got here piper i see you dancing around on the other side of the table there i just got an idea that i really really <laughs> like okay what if somebody created a dream prison like what if there was somebody Ooh. who in the waking world they committed some horrible crime and so they decided they had to put them into the dream prison and the warden is this person on the motorcycle and they <laughs> spend essentially eternity pursuing this inmate from level to level no matter where you go you're always trapped within oh your own kind of sleeping well, mind and they're the president of the dream police is the warden obviously obviously, obviously. yes <laughs> the motorcycle warden yeah okay i fucking love that idea yeah that's really cool Woo. so is this a thing where 
you are when you're awake, you go about your day to day life like normal, and when you're asleep, you are trapped in this prison. So you can't you can't go and explore and have natural dreams the way you normally would, or are you trapped in a dream forever? In this I think prison? you're trapped in a dream forever. Cool. So what they've done is they've captured you, and if it's magic, then they've put you under a permanent sleep spell. If it's not magic, then they've you know injected you. They've essentially put you into a coma. Yeah, okay. and so you're just kind of stuck there, and they can keep you into this mind prison. Um, mm. Yeah, so I, that's kind of where I'm leaning more towards. Because if the person can wake up and go about their daily life, they're not imprisoned. Well, I do think that's an interesting thing, though, because imagine, say, um, there's like some god of the fey realm or a powerful fey creature or something that feeds off of like dream energy, stealing the ability to dream from people. I think that would be a really interesting sort of fantastical fairy tale like punishment is you know children are able to maybe in this world like children dream and that's how they grow and that's that's how magic is still connected to the world is through the dreams of children but this evil fey creature comes through and steals their dreams and the consumes them yeah exactly a yeah. boogeyman or a, some type of horrible creature I'm picturing a big Krampus-like creature that, you know, like drinks up your dreams out of your <laughs> ear or something. Um, I'm always thinking about a Krampus. Everyone knows that. But yeah. um, I, I think that would be an interesting thing as well, is that the the dream prison is that they're taking away your ability to dream or that they make it so that when you dream, you can only go to this, you know, horrible, dark, gray place where you lose all of the freedom and all of the magic that and the agency that you have in your dreams otherwise. See, I think that also could be an interesting world. Definitely. I feel like you have to be careful, though, if they're taking away your ability to dream yeah. because if you can't dream anymore they can't feed off of you that's true so you have to continue to be able to dream they have to just drip feed you like dream magic just just let you have just enough to keep you coming back right yeah okay as and we were talking about yeah. this it made me realize it's the matrix and it's sort of you're right it's sort of is, Smith actually, is yeah. the warden the agents are the ones keeping <laughs> the sleeping humans in line in their you know make-believe reality I like that. I like because the lot. machines need to feed off of their energy for sure in case you didn't know i'm a huge matrix fan yeah Number sure. one, like the movie, the first one, really great. The other one's like, who <laughs> yeah, cares? whatever. But I am very excited for the fourth film. <laughs> yes, for whenever sure. Whenever that eventually that comes maybe, out. Maybe, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that's interesting. I think um, <laughs> that's pretty neat. Um, <laughs> I we also need to add Sam mentions Krampus to our big Yeah, that's sheet. true. <laughs> Sam mentions Krampus. Um, I, I think we, we would call this monster the Dream Eater, right? Yeah. I think that's pretty... <laughs> that's pretty neat it's pretty neat <laughs> there you go. check that off on your bingo cards twice yeah. i still think uh dream warden is the a dream good, warden is good yeah. yeah well they're two different things right the dream warden is like the executive branch and the dream eater is like the it's the, the beast within the legislative branch or something gotcha yeah, yeah. yeah. no either way very very cool i feel like okay i want to talk just a little bit about nightmares because we've kind of like started to like feed into this with this category um, or yeah. this example here and we haven't really talked about nightmares very much but I think one thing that's very common in a lot of like nightmares that I've had is definitely this lack of control this lack of power yeah and that sure. also just sort of this concept of individuals within the dream who do not fear or respond uh, in the way that a normal person would. Oh, yeah. That they just keep going and they if, keep if pursuing. If I am a powerful warrior and I pull up my sword and threaten somebody in the real world, they run away. But if in my dream, my greatest tool is of no avail. Well, exactly. So yeah, that's terrifying. I've yeah. actually, so I had a nightmare once in which this like creepy old like witch looking woman was kind of like following me around. And at one point in the dream, she jumped on me and she had like me pinned on the ground. And I yeah. thought to myself, I should put my hands on her face because that would be a weird thing to <laughs> no do. No one likes that. Yeah, I was like, no one wants someone to be touching their face. I remember I put my hands on her face and I was like, I'm touching your face. And she 
pushed her face more into my hands and started laughing and it freaked oh, me out and i was just like jesus because this, this idea... is why piper takes it dark every week well, yeah, because i have spooky <laughs> there's, nightmares there's a darkness that lives within her soul yeah. um but i also love puppies and babies so yeah. it all balances out yep. um no but like that idea that logic does not work here like you think you can fall back on your strength or your logic but these things don't follow those rules yeah. I so like you that. have to think like an insane person or outside of the box. So you have to know yeah. how to evade these things. For sure. Which I, almost makes me think of sort of like, sorry if I'm jumping around concepts too much, no. but I love the idea of like, you know how um, in the movie Jumanji, um, when Robin Williams has spent so much time in the game that he knows how to survive and work it. Yeah. So like, what if there was like somebody <laughs> who's been put into this dream prison? Stay with me. What if there's somebody who's been put into this dream prison a long time ago and yeah. you're new to the dream? prison and you're freaking out and you don't know what to do and they show up and they're like i've been in here for like two thousand years i can help you survive this for sure okay i yeah that's actually really cool you have one person who's just been trapped in dream prison slowly going mad over millennia and they're the only person that is your you know kind of connection they're like i couldn't get out on my own but with you you know a fresh fresh dream meat mm-hmm. <laughs> you can help me get out of here we can both escape well that's- and then you have to think do I want this person back out in the real world? Exactly. No, exactly. It's like, what did you do to get in here? And they'd be like, what did you do to get in here? Yeah. And like, but, well, that's a pretty good point. Yeah, exactly. And so like, I love the the idea that this person has been in here so long and they have to be insane, right? Yeah. And you're like, do I trust this crazy person? And it's kind of like, we've talked about a couple episodes ago, um, 10 Cloverfield Lane, yeah. where you enter this mind game of like, is this person my ally? Do they have my best intentions at heart? Are they trying to trap me and trick me and rape me? Like, what yeah, is the thing yeah, here? Like, what's sure. going on? For what sure. do I believe? I. It also is making me think of, we watched The Lighthouse recently, right? right? And the idea of being trapped in this place and kind of, would would your sense of time be reliable, right? You know, when- How when, long have we yeah, been on this rock? Two days a week. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think that's so interesting is maybe this person feels as though they've experienced- you know, a thousand years, but they've only been here for a couple of days because mm-hmm. that's just how the torments of this dream prison work. Right. Um, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they have been there for a, a thousand years, but they feel like it's only been a couple of days mm-hmm. and everything in the real world is wasted. Everything that they've ever known has disappeared. And that's their punishment is that, you know, maybe someday they will escape, but it won't matter because they'll have lost everything they ever cared about in the real world. Ouch. Yeah. Right? AKA, if Nasty. you really want to punish someone, send them to dream prison. Send them to dream prison. Hell yeah. yeah. Dream jail. Copyright, World Forge. I like it. I like that a lot. Um, cool. I think these are really fun ones i like it i like it they're um, fun and nasty yeah and sam when, nasty. when we go big uh we definitely need to like make and sell a board game it's just called escape from dream prison uh and it'll be a <laughs> good like strategy it. role play game in which you have to get out and uh you know someone is assigned the dream warden someone is assigned the uh sure. the convict who's been there the longest i want to say it's just Candyland, but the colors are inverted and the board is mirrored that's what it's it just is evil it's, shoots yeah, and ladders it's just evil shoots and ladders <laughs> awesome <laughs> for sure i think that's i think that's really great well uh we've done we've done a lot i think we've we've given you our listeners a great gift uh, <laughs> you're welcome week. you're very very welcome for these really fun ones that we've done for you um try and include dream prison 
uh, in your games somehow. We would love to hear you guys find ways to incorporate this into your games, into your mm-hmm. stories, into whatever. Uh, and if you do that, please reach out to us and share. Yeah, uh, let us know. Yeah, if you want to contact us on Twitter, we're at WorldForgePod on Twitter. Piper, if they want to send us an email, where can they contact us? Um, they can send it to WorldForgePod at gmail.com. Yes, and we yep. read all of your fan mail and fan art and mm-hmm. fan letters and everything. It, all, it just tickles us. It's so much fun for us to see that. Um, Beyond I, our creations, we've got some <laughs> other fun stuff we want to share here. Yeah, uh, we do. Although, real quick, yeah. I just want to say, um, because dreams are one of my all-time favorite oh, yeah, topics. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't want to cut you off here. If you want to keep dreaming here. Well, I just want to say that if you guys, since you're talking about like sharing stuff, um, if any of you listening ever have like a crazy dream that you want to share, um, please send it to me. Uh, yeah. You can contact me on Twitter. It's PiperArtC. Yes. Uh, the full name is Piper Art and Cosplay, but it's at PiperArt and then the letter C. Um, but yeah, no, I send me your dreams, guys. I would love to talk to you about all the weird stuff happening in your head. I would love to share my dreams with you. Um, I'm here. That's so. uh, We're starting our new uh, dream pen pal service. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be great. <laughs> like Tony the Tiger. I was just going to say, like there Frosted Flakes. <laughs> uh, no, please do that. That'd be super cool. Maybe we'll find more ways to to revisit this topic and to use more of your dreams in future episodes. I think that'd be fun. This was yeah. a very fun prompting experience. Um mm-hmm. You may have noticed this one was a little different. We didn't use any random words as prompt. We only used your uh, custom-generated yeah, user prompts. So all the weird that goop that came out of your subconscious. Exactly. Um, I think that this is a great source for inspiration. Um, yes. And I would encourage people, like, if you aren't usually someone who can remember your dreams, try – I mean, it sounds cliche, but try writing them down when you wake up. Try, yeah, like – you know, calling someone or texting them to someone or rolling over to your significant other and shaking them awake and being like, I just had this dream. You have to listen to it. Because look how valuable this can be. I mean, we look, we're not experts in anything. No, like we we, <laughs> we don't pretend to be right. But we spent five minutes with each of these dreams. And I think we've come up with some really interesting stuff. Yeah. From these. I, I think this can be a rich trove of inspiration for you as players, as DMs, as uh, writers, as storytellers, as artists of, of any kind, really. So I, we would definitely encourage you. We always say always keep your eyes open. Look for inspiration anywhere you can find it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this sort of goes to show that we're right. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> we told oh you so. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Sam, you've been chomping at the bit to share uh, this rec room. Yes. Yeah, so we want to pop over to the rec room. We're, yeah. hold, we got to, we got to just real quick. I got to open the door. Unlock the door. Go oh, in yeah. the next room. Into the rec room. Ring. Yeah. Okay. We're I, in. We got to oil that door. Yeah. Uh, all right. So rec room recommendation this week is I, I, I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the air before. I feel like we've maybe talked about this as a source of inspiration um, or maybe as a rec room recommendation, but the film Paprika by the um, direct, the late director Satoshi Kon, um, which came out a, actually a little bit before the movie Inception, but has a lot of sort of shared DNA. Um, it's a really, really cool and just beautiful story about a dream detective who kind of goes into people's dreams and... Um, this centers more around the device that allows people to go into dreams and how it can be used for evil by kind of a bad guy. And they basically go on this cat and mouse chase through a bunch of dreams, trying to find a person who's misusing this, this dream walking technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, it's so bright and colorful and noisy and absurd and it's really really awesome and there's so much happening on screen constantly it's amazing that it's like most of it is hand-drawn it's incredible Uh, and you know satoshi Kon is a very well-known director um he was taken from us far too soon honestly he had an incredible career already and had many years of more incredible career ahead of him Mm -hmm. Uh, i 
I would have loved to have seen what else he could have done. Um, but he has a, a ton of really well-known movies, uh, Millennium Actress, Perfect Blue, Tokyo Godfathers, the television show Paranoia Agent. Mm-hmm. Um, everything he did was just so top-notch and so kind of philosophical and like wound up. And it, it I don't know, it really kind of... Um, it's, it's a lot, it's very different than a lot of other stuff that you see out there. And the animation is also just incredible. It's the kind of thing where I think he is very similar to directors like, um, you know, he's similar to Miyazaki Mm -hmm. or to directors like, um, uh, the, the guy who did your name. I can't think of his name right now. I don't know what I'm Um, sorry. But where any frame from any of his movies can look like, uh, you know, like a painting, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I love that Paprika does is that it tackles the idea of like a reoccurring dream really well because it opens with this this scene and then we revisit that scene multiple times and it always plays out the exact same way, except there are minute little differences. And I think that's really cool because I don't I think a lot of us had reoccurring dreams at some point in our lives. And I definitely had this reoccurring nightmare when I was little. But there's something so familiar about seeing that iconography you know re- repeated over yes, and over again exactly. and you Motifs, kind of yeah. well exactly there's a sense that you're like i know what's going to happen next and yet i can't prevent it like yeah. i know what's coming i can feel it but i'm still just a player in this production i have to play my For part sure. and follow the plot uh, also it's makoto shinkai is the director of your name i just thought of it i reclaiming my my weeb cred here uh, you just thought quick, of it yes. i just thought of it you just didn't I google it didn't just google it yeah. no while i was definitely talking, didn't google it talking. No, absolutely did not. let's no. put that kimono yeah, back put, where it was that- <laughs> <laughs> uh no i i i agree I, I think that's a really cool sort of use of that the, the repetition and the like something is different this time what is it mm-hmm. I, I think that's super neat so yeah please go uh go check out the movie paprika also the main character paprika total cutie yeah sam real, loves real her yeah uh if- he writes fan fictions about her all the time <laughs> absolutely yeah um <laughs> if you want to find any of my fan fiction about paprika go to paprika sam um, is where you can find all of that now i wish uh, <laughs> i had the energy to actually make that website <laughs> yeah I wish that would be a really nice uh nice like tie-in like a nice like ar tie-in oh my god i would go in there and i would write the shittiest fan fiction for you <laughs> well the shittiest fan fiction would already be there because because it would have been written by me. So right. there you go. Uh, uh, that's that's our, our rec room here. Now, I think, Piper... Should we splash into the... We should splash <laughs> into, the, into thank the thank tank. Time to take a dip here. Uh, who's our next big sploosh on the podcast? First of all, you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's what we're calling our fans now, the big splooshes. No, gross. Yeah, I, I veto. I veto that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have been... Uh, so we've actually received a whole lot of amazing reviews recently. And yeah. I wish I could read aloud every single one of them because they all touch our hearts and they all make our day. Yeah. Um, one recently that we got that really stood out to us comes from uh, Dudewell, all one word. Um, and he said, uh, if you're a DM in need of a little jump start uh, to your world building, there's nothing easier or more fun than listening to an episode of World Forge to get your yeah. juices flowing. And he gave us five stars. So thank you so much. There yeah. anything nice you have to say? Also, any criticism that you have for us? For sure. Like, we're not that vain. We are open to critique. And if you think there's something we could do to improve, we also want to hear that. As I know, with the caveat that if you're going to critique us, accompany that critique with a five star 
uh, rating uh, on Apple Podcasts yes. because that is the most important <laughs> part of your critique is that you accompany it with the uh, the well deserved and, and requisite rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Oh my gosh! Or yes. just do that thing where you're like, you can give us like two and a half stars and be like, you'll get no. the rest of the. No, wait, let me finish. <laughs> give me. You give us two and a half stars, and then you're like, you'll get the rest of these stars when you take my advice. We'll take that advice, and then we'll get the full five stars. I disagree. Don't do that. I don't think that's how Apple Podcasts works. Do not leave us a rating less than five stars, please. I just pictured the thing where you like rip a twenty dollar bill in half, yeah. and you're like, you'll get the rest later. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, but in all seriousness, honestly, all of your reviews and all of your feedback really means a lot to us. Um, if you do want to support the show, that is a wonderful way to do it, is to leave us a review with any of your thoughts on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on anywhere that you uh, get your favorite podcasts. Or if you want to reach out to us with anything else that you know you don't think is appropriate to leave in review, contact us on Twitter, again, at WorldForgePod or uh, at gmail at worldforgepod at gmail.com and it would just make our day and yeah. it's it's, it's Although, the best way to support us. If it's really inappropriate for a review, maybe send it in private message. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. we'll read it at Worldforge <laughs> After Dark. Just slide into our DMs. And, uh, that bow, that bow, would be bow, a fun bow. episode to do coming up would be uh, After Dark. Um, but actually, so uh, one other thing that I do want to touch on here is we actually are coming up on a really cool milestone for the show is 50 episodes is happening very soon in just a couple weeks, which um, I don't know. I think that's really amazing. It's that pretty cool. We've gotten there and that we've gotten so much awesome support from the community so consistently throughout the time that we've been doing the show. And I think what we're kind of planning on doing is something we, we talked about this a while ago that never really materialized. Obviously, a lot of crazy things are going on in the world right now, and we're all really busy. And it's been hard to sort of branch out and, and provide some of the sort of alternative content that we've been wanting to. But what we want to do for our 50th episode is revisit some of our old uh, our old creations and maybe tell sort of a short story about how some of these creations meet or come together or do sort of a one shot. So if there's anything that you all want to hear us revisit, um, please let us know. We would love to get some, we're probably going to pick out some of our favorites. We'd love to get some listener favorites and maybe we'll get some of our favorite guests back on the show for mm -hmm. an episode and get some of their favorites as well and just see how all these things kind of come together. So um, be thinking about that and uh, we would really appreciate it if you let us know what topics you would like us to take a, a little bit closer of a look at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're always open to your suggestions. For sure. But and it saves us from having to brainstorm something. <laughs> yes, it does. It makes it way easier for us. Uh, free content for you kind of created by you you do all the work for us it's great Woo. uh but i think that's about all that we have this week um that was a that was a great big sploosh in the thank tank piper thanks Ew. for that <laughs> this isn't holes sam this is not the spray for your smelly feet for sure for sure uh but we're gonna go ahead and let you guys go and uh we will be back again next week talking about another really fun topic i am sure mm -hmm. and thank you again for just tuning in goodbye yeah. goodbye <laughs>